Welcome to the Faith Lift Radio Podcast, where doubt is destroyed and your faith is lifted. Here's today's message from Dr. Glenn. Are you ready for the Word of God? Lift up your hands and say, I'm ready for God's Word. Come on, lift up your hands and say one more time, I'm ready for God's Word. Let's open our Bible, please, this morning to the book of Acts, the 12th chapter. This morning, I'm going to be talking to you about the possibilities of prayer. I read a book many, many years ago by Ian Bounds, and one of the titles of the book, one of the chapters of that book was called The Possibilities of Prayer. But this morning, I'm just going to borrow his title and give you some kind of instruction today. All right, now. Acts, the 12th chapter, I want to talk to you about the possibilities of prayer. The first thing I want you to write down is this. God is omnipotent. Lift up your hands with me and say with me, my God is omnipotent. Now, what does that mean? He is all all powerful. Now, say with me, God is omnipotent and prayer is omnipotent. Come on, talk to me now. Everybody talk to me. Say, Say, God is omnipotent. Prayer is omnipotent, which means what? Anything that God can do is what prayer can do. Are you listening? Anything, everybody say anything that God can do is what prayer can do. When God gave you prayer at your disposal, he gave you omnipotence in your hands. And so you, many times we are, neglecting, and uh, when we neglect to pray, you're neglecting power that is at your disposal. Are you hearing me, saints? So I want to say it again. God is omnipotent, and prayer is omnipotent. Anything that God can do is what prayer can do. Hallelujah. When God gave you prayer, come on, lift up your hands. Say with me. Say, when God gave me prayer at my disposal, he gave me omnipotent power at my disposal. Glory to God. Anything, everybody say anything, can be changed by prayer. Prayer changes things. Can you say amen? Prayer will change a situation and prayer will change your body, will take you away from sickness and bring you into healing. Will take you from a place of being shut in to a place of being blessed. Can you say hallelujah? Now write this down, please. Faith and prayer work in conjunction with one another. There is no discrepancy between faith and prayer. Are you listening? Your faith is released by your prayer. Can you lift up your hands and say with me out loud? Say, my faith is released by my prayer. Now write this down, please. Okay? Prayer is the platform that your faith is released. Okay? Prayer is the medium, the canon, by which your faith is released. Are you listening? And faith is released by your prayer. So when you are a person of faith, you've got to be a person of prayer. Can you say amen? Can you say hallelujah? Jesus was a man of faith, but he was a man of prayer. Daniel was a man of faith, and he was a man of prayer. Paul was a man of faith, and he was a man of prayer. Glory to God. If you are a person of prayer, 
if you are a person of faith, you will be a person of prayer. Can you say hallelujah? Now, now, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. Before I go any further, I want you to write this down. Prayer, what's the difference between praise, prayer, and praise? Prayer will bring you into God's presence. But praise will bring God's presence into your presence. Can you say hallelujah? So when I pray, I enter into God's presence. But when I praise, God's presence enter into my life. Can you say glory to God? Amen. And so you need to learn to grace God with your tangible physical presence in prayer. And then God will grace you with his physical and tangible presence in your life. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. Now, let's open our Bible to Acts the 12th chapter. I'm going to give you about seven things today. As quick as I can about the possibilities of prayer. Now, Acts chapter 12, follow with me, verse 1. Acts, the 12th chapter, we're going to read from verse 1. Now, ready? Let's read together, please. Now, about that time, now on the line in your Bible. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Verse 2, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Verse 4, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, let's all read verse 5 together, please. Where do you want to go? Verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But, 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 but. Now, point your finger at your neighbor and tell him, but prayer. Say it again, but prayer. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church under God for him. Or the Bible says, but constant prayers, constant prayers. Everybody say, constant prayers. Now, what does the word constant prayer mean? It means a 24-hour deal. It means round the clock. It means non-stop. Can you say amen? amen? Can you lift up your hands and say with me, constant prayers? Round the clock prayers, 24 hours a day prayer, seven days a week prayer, glory to God. Constant prayers, consistent prayer. You pray until something happens. Can you say amen? Now, I want to bring about seven points maybe to you today, quickly, as quick as I can. Are you ready? Number one, the Bible says, now about that time. What does that mean? Why did Dr. Luke say now about that time? That means this is making a reference to a specific time, a specific frame of time in the history of, and the existence of the early church. It's referring to a particular time. Now, let me give you the greatest revelation you'll ever get. Are you ready? Acts chapter 12 is preceded by Acts chapter 11. <laughs> it's preceded by Acts chapter 10. It's preceded by Acts chapter 9. Ain't that wonderful? Glory to God. Amen. And Acts chapter 8. But now here's the deal. From Acts chapter 8 to chapter 12, 
The church experienced persecutions and major breakthroughs. In Acts chapter 8, you know what happened? Stephen, right, was stoned to death. And who was the greatest persecutor of the church? It was Saul of Tarsus. Are you hearing me, saints? So, the church had been on a streak of success from Acts chapter 9 till chapter 12. In chapter 9, how did God deal with the first wave of persecution? Now, I need you to understand this now. When the Bible tells you now about that time, it's, it's making a reference to a second wave of persecution. The first wave was in Acts chapter 7, 8, 6, 7, and 8, when Saul of Tarsus was the chief persecutor of the church. Are you listening? The Bible says he had obtained letters to go and kill Christians. So the first wave of persecution was from the organized religion. And the church will always face persecution from organized religion. Are you listening to me, somebody? Okay? And they will kill you. Are you listening? The second wave. Now, how did God deal with the first wave of persecution? God didn't kill anybody, but he got Saul of Tarsus to be born again. He knocked him literally off his high horse. And Saul of Tarsus died, and the great apostle Paul came into life. Can you say amen? And so now, Acts chapter 9, Saul is born again. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, who is a Roman centurion, gives his life to the Lord through Peter, and the gospel enters into the Gentile world. Acts chapter 10, 11, and 12. 11, the Bible says, now the church had some period of rest. The church began to experience growth. Why? Because God dealt with the first wave of persecution by getting Saul born again. Can I hear an amen? Now the second wave, the second wave of uh, persecution arises. And so what, I, what happens next is that Herod, everybody say Herod. Everybody say Herod. Herod. Now who was Herod? He was the king. So now this is no longer a religious persecution. This is now persecution from the government. Did you hear what I said to you? This is now what? Political persecution. If Satan cannot win by religious persecution, the next thing that he will do is to arise and to stir people in politics to fight against the church. Are you hearing me, somebody? Right? So the Bible says, uh, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Now, why did he do that? Because the religious Jews approached him. And the reason why they killed, decapitated James was because of the salvation of Cornelius. Are you listening? And so the government said, now we cannot allow this. We have to put a stop to this. And let me tell you this, it's coming in America and all over the world where the government of this world, amen, the one, those who are vying for the one world government, they will rise against the church. Politics will rise against the church. But I want you to understand something. 
Everyone who have tried to eradicate the church have been eradicated themselves. Can you say hallelujah? Herod tried it and failed. Hitler tried to get rid of the Jews. The Jews are still here and Hitler is gone. Haman tried to get rid of Israel. Haman was hung on the gallows that he made himself. Can you say hallelujah? Pharaoh tried to get rid of all of God's people, but Pharaoh found himself drowned in the Red Sea. Can you say hallelujah? Nebuchadnezzar ended up becoming mad. Let me tell you this, let me tell you this right now. Greater men have tried to stop the church, but the church is still here. Can you lift up your hand and say, we, st- say we are here. We are here to stay, glory to God. We ain't going nowhere. Can you say hallelujah? Glory to God. Can you say amen? Amen. So, notice something here. Let me give you, I want you to write this down, please. So the first wave of persecution was spearheaded by Saul of Tarsus, organized religion against the church. The second wave of persecution was spearheaded by Herod. That's the state against the church. Politics against the church. The third wave of persecution was spearheaded by false religions. False religion. You'll see all this in the book of Acts. Then the fourth wave of, of persecution was spearheaded by occultic powers. Sorcerers came against the church. Huh? Bar Jesus. Remember him? Right? Simon the sorcerer. You remember him? But they still failed. Glory to God. Can you say amen? And then the fifth wave of persecution against the church was spearheaded by false brethren preaching a false, a false gospel. Did you hear what I just said to you now? I've just uh, revealed to you five waves of persecution against the church. Number one, from what? Organized religion. Number two, from the state. Number three, from false religions. Remember Diana? Right? The temple of Diana. And they wanted to kill Paul. Then the fourth one is occultic powers. Remember that little girl that kept following the apostle Paul? Right? She was demon possessed. Right? She was, Bob said she was, she was possessed by a spirit of divination. Is that correct? Now the Greek text says it was a python spirit. The spirit of a serpent. Occultic powers. Remember when Paul was making the fire? What came out of the fire? A snake came out of the fire. Are you hearing me, saints? And then number five is when you have false brethren, right, coming in the church, Judaizers, to bring the church back under the law. But whatever form of persecution, are you listening? Whatever form of persecution against the church, the church will always win. Can you say amen? Can you lift up your hands and say with me, the church will always win. So now you understand what it means about that time. Second point I want you to write down, okay? It says, when he saw it pleased the Jews. You'll see that in verse verse 3. He killed James, the brother of John. All right, verse 3, please. He killed James, the brother of John, and then because he saw it pleased the Jews. What I want you to do, write this down number 2. The second thing I want you to write down, second point, is that he saw that it pleased the Jews. He saw that his ratings went up. 
Huh? He saw that what? His ratings, his approval rate went up with the Jews by killing James. Why did they want to kill James? Why did the, the Jews and Herod want to kill James? Because their greatest person, right? The Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, that the thought would put an end to this persecution, to this Christianity, now is spearheading the greatest revival. Can you say hallelujah? So they thought, we've got to kill James, we've got to kill everybody else. Are you hearing me, saints? So this, I want you to write this down, please. This was a political move against the church and the pleasing of the enemies of the church. Now, some of you think that everybody likes you. No, 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 no. Look what the Bible says. And because he saw it pleased the Jews. Let me tell you right now. Look at me right now. Some of you right now, there are people on your job. There are people in your vicinity. There are people in your family. If you were to be decapitated and be taken out and be sick and be destroyed and be in failure, they would rejoice over your failure. Don't be so naive to think that everybody loves you. Are you hearing me, saints? Even people in the church don't love you. Hello. Come on now, talk to me now. There are people that you thought are your brothers, but they hate your guts. So now if the people in the church hate your guts, how much more will people in the world? How much more will the occultic people hate your guts? Are you hearing me, saints? And so the church, because it went against the church, it was a political move against the church to stop the church. And there are some people today who are vying to shut down the church. Are you hearing me, somebody? But we will not shut up. Can you say amen? Can you lift up your hands and say, we will not shut up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Bible tells you, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Whenever you open your mouth wide, God will fill up your mouth. Can you say amen? Number three, glory to God. So notice now, this is, the, this is the state moving against the church. Number three, the Bible says, let's go back to verse, uh, uh, let's go back please in your Bible, verse four. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, what? Intending after Easter. I want you to write this down, please. The third thing I want you to write this down. There was, an, there was an evil intention to bring Peter before the people. I want you to write this down, please. Every evil intention. You need to understand right now that there are evil intentions against your life. You hear me now? There are what now? Evil intentions against your life. But everything which I'm going to say now, I want you to lift up your hands and say amen. Can you say hallelujah? All right, every evil intention against your life, it will not manifest. That amen is too weak. Come on, that's, that's not like a Baptist Presbyterian amen. Come on, talk to me. Give me a Pentecostal amen. Every evil intention against your life will not work. Every, every evil intention of death of the enemy against your betterment, let it be destroyed. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
Hallelujah. Right now, you know that, that you've, you've been struck with an infirmity. They found something in your body and the doctor tell, tells you, we don't know what it is and you might die. Let me tell you right now, every evil intention of, this, of the spirit of infirmity will not work in your life. Can you shout amen? The Bible says, I will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. Come on, lift up your hands and say, I will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. Amen. The spirit of infirmity will not beat you. You will beat the spirit of infirmity because the Bible says, by his stripes ye were healed. Can you say amen? Can you touch yourself and say with me, say diabetes has no power over me. Cancer, come on now, talk to me. Say, cancer has no power over me. Heart failure has no power over me. Generational curse, bloodline disease has no power over me. If you believe it, shout amen. Hallelujah. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you, whatever killed your great-grandmother and killed your grandmother has no right to kill you. Shout amen. Shout glory to God. Well, now you understand, Pastor Dan, my great-grandfather died of cancer. My grandfather died of cancer. My father died of cancer. You are different. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Shout amen. I don't have any bloodline disease because there's a blood on my life. It's the blood of Jesus. Can you put your hands on your head? Say the blood of Jesus. Come on, put your hand on your head. Say, the blood of Jesus is over my life. Say it again. The blood of Jesus is over my life. Woo, glory to God. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Now do your hand out and say, pass over. Come on, do your hand out and say, pass over. Diabetes, pass over. Cancer, pass over. Heart failure, stroke, blind eyes, cataracts. Come on, say, pass over. Generational curse, pass over. Bloodline disease, Paternal disease, maternal disease, Passover, Passover, Passover. Glory to God. Every evil intention against your life, let them be destroyed. Come on, say amen, somebody. Every evil purpose of the enemy against your future, let it be destroyed now by the superior blood of Jesus and in the power of the name of Jesus. Say amen. Hallelujah. Every Herod's, every Herod's evil intention against your life, let it be cast down and be eaten with worms. Can you say amen? amen. So, can you lift up your hands and say with me, every evil intention of the enemy against my life, against my future, against my betterment, let it be destroyed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every evil intention of infirmity, of sickness, of generational curses, let it be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Can you say hallelujah? Now, number four. This is where it gets interesting. Number four. The authority that be 
the authority that be will not cede anything to the people until there is a demand for it. I want you write this down. The authority that be will not cede anything to the people until there is a demand for it. Now, I want you to write this down. That means this is why people go on a hunger strike. Because the authority that be will not cede to the people unless the people make an aggressive demand. Are you listening? Thank you, Jesus. Now, write this down, please. The power of the government is prison. But the power of the church is prayer. Are you listening? The power of what? The government is prison. But the power of the church is prayer. Do you remember a few years ago in Kentucky? When the law was changed about marriage, when the government redefined marriage, when one person refused to marry, right? They put her in prison. The power of the government is prison. That's the worst they can do. But the power of the church is prayer. And when the state meets the church, someone has to bow. And it will never be the church. Can you say hallelujah? Can you lift up your hands with me and say with me, the church will never bow. Say it again. The church will never bow. When the government comes with its prison, it comes with its threat, the church will get on its knees. You know, the government will tell you, we're going to make you bend the knees. That's the best place to be. When they make you bend the knees, glory to God, I'm in the place where I should be. Because when I bend the knees, like Daniel, he bowed the knees and he connected with God. The Bible says that King Darius was sold in a bunch of lies by the wise men that got him to sign a decree that nobody could pray. Are you listening? That nobody could pray. But the Bible says he went up into his room. And as before, he opened up the windows and prayed like before. What does Daniel teach us? Daniel teaches us, don't ever let any government, don't ever let anybody stop your prayer life. Come on, lift up your hands and say, nothing, no one will stop me from praying. Say it again, nothing, no one will stop me from praying. Now, listen to this now. I told you number four. The authority that be will not cede anything until the people make a demand. Can you say amen? The power of the state is to shut you down. But the power of the church is supplication. Can you say glory to God? Now, now, number five. Won't you write this down? I like number five. Your escape. Your escape. God says in the book of Corinthians, there is no temptation that has taken you, but such as is 
common to man. But God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond that what you are able, but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. So lift up your hands. Say with me, there is a way of escape. Listen, this is what the devil forgot to tell you. When you were, when they make a pronouncement over your life about sickness, he forgot to tell you there is a way of escape. Are you listening? And as long as you can't see a way of escape, if you can't see it, that's when hopelessness kicks in. But when you know there's a way of escape, glory to God. Come on, lift up your hands and say, I know. God has made a way of escape. That means you, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, let's put verse 1, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 3, please. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 3. Are you ready? Therefore, we ought to give what? The more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. Slip. Verse, verse, uh, let's go down to verse 3, please. Verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we what? Escape. Paul says God in 1 Corinthians Corinthians, God has made a way of escape. Now look at me. Every sickness pronounced over your life, God has a way of escape. Every financial trouble that you find yourself in, God has a way of escape. But you're not going to escape if you neglect your salvation. In other words, how will you escape healing? How will you escape sickness if you neglect healing? How will you escape Poverty, if you neglect prosperity. How will you escape curse if you neglect the blessing? Are you listening? So lift up your hands right now and say with me, I know God has a way of escape planned for me. And there was, and there was going to be an escape for Peter. But what was the way of escape? Look in your Bible, please. All right. <clears throat> the church began to pray without ceasing. Huh? So they came to the conclusion to get away from Herod. Incidentally, the prison that Peter found himself in was called Fortress Antonia, which was right in front of the temple. Are you listening? That's called Fortress Antonia. This is the, this is the jail that they put Peter in. Now watch this. Now, so go back to verse, go back to verse five, please. <clears throat> Acts twelve, verse five. Let's read verse five, please. Ready, one, two, go. Ready? Let's read Acts twelve, verse five. Ready? Peter therefore was kept where in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. Now stop right there. So what was the way of escape? Prayer. What was the way of escape? Come on, talk to me. What was the way of escape? Now, was that the only way to get Peter to escape? No. They could, they could have gone to Herod and asked for a presidential pardon or a kingly pardon. But that was not going to happen because he killed, he killed James. And then if you remember, his granddaddy had all the young boys, two years and under, to be killed. Then his daddy, all right, the other Herod, had John the Baptist to be decapitated. That was a bloodthirsty family. Are you listening? Different Herods, 
But the same spirit, the same bloodthirsty spirit was operating behind them. Are you listening? And so the church knew, even if they were to ask for a presidential or a kingly pardon, that would not happen because Herod is not merciful. Right? Secondly, they could have gone to the supreme court of the land. The highest court of the land. But the church knew that the government and the religious people were against them. So they knew it was a rigged system. So they knew that wouldn't work. So presidential pardon wouldn't work. Right? And the court of the land would not work. Now, Bartholomew and John and Thomas could have said, you know what? We're going to be the Navy SEAL. We're going to be a SEAL team. Glory to God. Amen. At midnight, we're going to go. Amen. One of us is going to be Rambo. The other one of us is going to be Terminator. All right. And we're going to go and get Peter out of jail. And John looked at them and said, man, we're just loving. We just love, love, love people. We don't know how to fight. We are fishermen. So we cannot be the SEAL team to deliver Peter. Are you listening? So they knew. They couldn't go to Herod. They knew. They couldn't go to the court. And they knew there couldn't be any soldier. They couldn't be Rambo. Amen. And let me tell you this right now. When everything else failed, prayer will still work. Can you say Hallelujah. Can you lift up your hands right now and say with me, when everything else in the natural fail, prayer will still work. In other words, prayer will make a way for you where there seems to be no way. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, they put him in a prison, huh? And chained him between two soldiers with four quaternions of soldiers. Sixteen soldiers to look after Peter. You know why? Because that was not the first time that Peter was arrested and escaped. Right? In Acts chapter 4, the Jews put him in the... uh, After he healed that man who was crippled from his mother's womb, they put him in jail overnight. And the next day they let him go. Then in Acts chapter 5 onwards, they went against the apostles and put them in jail. Right? Peter was among them. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord delivered them. And when they went outside looking for these people, they found them in the temple. That's the second time. So they said three times, you will not be so lucky. So now we're going to fix you. We're going to put you in Fortress Antonia and put you into the inner dungeon. Are you listening? And then if you're going to get out, you have to go through the first ward and then you have to go through the second ward. Now look in your Bible, please. Verse 6, verse six, please. Uh, Hallelujah. We know verse 5. Now lift up your hands and say with me. Say, my escape. Come on, say, my escape is through prayer. Say it again. My escape is through prayer. Now point your anointed finger at your neighbor and tell them when everything, when everything else fails, prayer will still work. Amen. Hallelujah. What was it that Corey Ten Boom said? Prayer should not be your spare wheel, but your steering. Can you say amen? Your steering wheel. Prayer should be your what? Your steering wheel and not your spare wheel. Can you say hallelujah? This is why you got to pray. Come on, lift up your hands and say, I got to pray. Say it again. I've got to pray. 
Woo, glory to God. Prayer will bring God in a situation. Can you say amen? All right, now, now, look in your Bible, please. Look at chapter 12 and verse 10. Now, this is where it gets interesting. They chained him up, right, with two soldiers. Then there were 16 soldiers. Now, he was in the inner dungeon. Two soldiers chained with him. Then two soldiers in front of the door, on the inside of the door. Then the second the first ward, on the outside of the gate, there's two soldiers. Are you listening? And then another two soldiers. Then you go to the second ward. There's two soldiers at the gate and two more soldiers at the, at the front. Then you go again to the courtyard to get to the gate that leads to the city. There's four more soldiers, 16 soldiers. Now look in your Bible, please. Ready? Look at verse 10. Hallelujah. This is number six. Thank you, Lord. I'll give you two more, then we're done. When they were, verse six, uh, verse, uh, verse seven, please, Jody. Verse seven, hallelujah. Uh, the, the angel, after praying, kicked him up, glory to God. Now look at verse eight. Verse nine. Move on, move on, move on. Move on. Verse 10. Verse 10. All right, let's read verse 10 together, please. Everybody together, please. When they were past the first and the second. Now stop right there. When he came out of the inner dungeon, he was not out of jail. He had to go through the first ward, right? And when you're in the first ward, you're still in jail. And the second ward, you're still in jail. That's why many of us make the mistake. When we see a little breakthrough, we stop praying. No, you're still in the first ward. You're not totally free yet. Are you listening? You got to keep on praying. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, keep on praying. Keep on praying until you are totally out. Glory to God. Now, let's all read verse 10 together, please. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto what? The iron gate that where? Leads unto the city. Which? Which? Open of its own accord. I want you please to underline that. Open of its own accord. Do you know what the Greek word is? Are you ready to shout? Are you ready to shout? Do you know what the word of its own accord is? It's the Greek word automatos. A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-S. Let me ask you a question. From the word automatos, what English word can you get from that? Automatic. Now remember the doors and the gates were closed manually. But prayer opened it automatically. Woo, come on, somebody shout amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let me tell you right now, whatever man has closed manually in your face, every gate that the enemy has closed manually in your face and threw away the keys and think that you will never get out, I got news for you. Automatic is not a 21st century invention. Your prayer will open automatically what the enemy closed down physically. Shout yes! Hallelujah. Automatos. Come on, say automatos. Look at your neighbor and say automatic. Automatic. Glory to God. Woo! Somebody say hallelujah. There is autom- automatic power in prayer. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? Let me give you one last one. One last one. Are you ready? The church was praying. The church was praying. Even though in John 21, 
Everybody said John 21. What happened? Jesus appeared on the beach and said to Peter, do you love me, Peter? What did Peter say? Yeah, Lord, I love you. What did Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Second time, feed my sheep. Third time, feed my sheep. How many times did he betray Jesus? How many times was Peter in jail? Three, three times. He betrayed Jesus three times. He was in jail how many times? Three times. Now, Jesus said to him, now look at this now. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you are now young. But there's a day coming when you shall be old. So right there on the beach, from the mouth of the resurrected Savior, he had a word, a prophetic word, that he would not die as a young man, but as an old man. Acts chapter 12, Peter, still young, and Herod doesn't care a thing in the world about the prophetic word. He wants to kill him. Are you listening? And if the church didn't pray, he would have been killed. This is where your mistake is. You think because God spoke to you in a dream, in your heart, gave you a prophetic word, that it's going to happen just like that. No. You have to pray through. Paul said to Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before on you, that you by them must do a good warfare. Look at Job 38 and verse 33. Job 38 and verse 33. What did they understand? What did Jeremiah, what did Ezekiel, what did Daniel, what did the other church, what did Paul understand? Read this. And you better read that verse and never forget this verse. And then I want you to put it on the NIV if you have it available, please. The NIV version. Okay. Job 38, 33. Now look at this. God says, knowest thou the what? The ordinances of heaven. Can you set the dominion thereof in the earth? Do you have the NIV? All right, put the NIV. Look what God says here. Do you know what? The laws of heaven. Can you set up God's dominion on the earth? God's dominion on the earth will not be set up until you know the laws of heaven. Are you listening? To put it in today's vernacular, from the mouth of Jesus, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. What's in heaven? The laws of heavens. Amen? Once you understand the laws of heavens, by prayer, you establish God's dominion on the earth. So understand this now. Something can be the will of God and the plan of God. But unless you know what God has said, once you discover what God has said, you have discovered the laws and the decrees of heaven. And when you pray, you're taking the decrees of heaven to set up God's dominion, God's will, God's kingdom in the earth. Amen. Are you listening? So what am I trying to tell you? Unless you pray. Come on, lift up your hands. 
And say with me, unless I pray. I'm not talking about this dead form of prayer meetings. Just sit there quietly and nothing is happening. When you pray, you know what's wrong with a lot of prayer meeting? Too much talking and not enough praying. Too much singing and not enough praying. We believe in singing. We believe in, but prayer meeting is about praying. Prayer meeting is not about talking to man. It's about talking to God. Can you say amen? Can you lift up your hands and say with me, prayer meeting? It's not about talking to man, but talking to God. So read that verse again, please. Can you? Now, let, let me, if, you, if you get this now. Paul, I don't know if you have this. Christian Bible standard. Christian Bible standard says this. Do you know the laws of heaven? Christian Bible standard says, do you know the laws of heaven and can you impose? Everybody say impose. Say it again, impose. Can you impose its authority upon the earth? Christian standard Bible or Christian Bible standard says, do you know the laws of heaven? Can you impose its authority? That's what prayer does. Prayer imposes God's authority upon the earth. Are you listening? So as long as you don't pray, you can't impose anything. Let me read that to you from the Living Bible. And I'm going to read it to you from two different versions and we close. The Living Bible says, Do you know the laws of the heavens? What? Do you know the laws of the heavens? And can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Okay, now the Living Bible says, do you know the laws of the universe and how the heavens influences the heavens influence the earth? The evangelical, evangelical heritage version says this. Do you know the laws that govern the skies? Can you establish God's rule on the earth? It is through prayer that you establish, superimpose, impose God's will, God's kingdom, God's dominion in the earth. So when a church does not pray, you can't impose anything. When a believer and a family does not pray, you can't impose the will of God on your life. And if you can't impose, now look at me. Stand on your feet, please. If you cannot impose God's will in your life by prayer, guess who will impose his will over your life? Satan. Satan will impose his will over your life. Are you listening to me, saints? This is why prayer is not a joking matter. I just don't like to pray, Pastor Glenn. Well, fine. Let the enemy establish his dominion in your life. Sorry, I don't have time to be nice to you. I gotta be straight. I'm a straightforward preacher. Tell you like it is. I don't see the, I don't see God's kingdom in my children. Pray. I don't see God's kingdom, God's dominion established in my health. Pray. I don't see God's kingdom and dominion established in my family. Pray. Because if you don't pray, the laws of heavens will not reflect upon the earth. Jesus said, pray that his will that is on earth to be replicated in, on the earth. Can you say amen? amen? In other words, lift up your hands. Say this with me. Prayer, Prayer. will bring heaven, bring heaven down in my life. In my 
Amen. Can you say hallelujah? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Faith Lift Radio podcast. For more information about Dr. Glenn and how to offer your financial support, log on to glenarecchia.org.